Welcome to the Bill Bradley Collective, where we are back at our home at the Levy Nadelberg Compound in New London, Connecticut, after a month of traveling and being elsewhere. It's good to be back home. How you doing, Zach? It's a brutal tour. I grew a beard. <laughs> he grew a playoff beard yeah. to get to our main topic. So, uh, how you doing? I'm doing well. Doing well. Good how to you, be back. How you doing, Andrew? Very well, sir. Good to be good to be on home turf, home soil. <laughs> it is. Although we we really did enjoy it was a lot of fun. Yeah, I I I, I enjoyed our our sojourn to Middletown because I didn't have to drive, and <laughs> uh, and we'll have to do that again because we have to try the incredible pizzas of Middletown, Connecticut, and but we'll we'll do that at a later date. So, Zach, what will you be ranting about today? Uh, I try to set the record for the quickest rant in Bill Bradley Collective history, uh, talking about Tim Tebow. I assume it was all positive because you're a gentle soul. It was all. It, it, <laughs> I, I speak uh, speak highly of former Jets. So, I have a series of three questions for you today, uh, because it's been a big week on the floor of the Senate and uh, I mean the floor of the House and in interviews at the House. So, on the floor of the House uh, this week, which U.S. congressman acknowledged? That he is sometimes called the dumbest person in Congress. I, that's got to be Matt Gates. No. Louis Gomert? It was Louis Gomert. <laughs> that- Louis Gomert. Molly Jong Fast lives inside Louis Gomert's head. What a, what a. Which is the only time. That- <laughs> what a rare moment of self awareness for Louis Gomert. <laughs> it's the only time Louis Gomert and head has ever been nom- uh, on the same time. <laughs> which congressman said that the British would never have surrendered at Yorktown if Washington was wearing a mask and had his troops wearing a mask. That's the stupidest fuck. That is the stupidest fuck it. Who said that? All right. Lauren Boebert? No. Madison. Oh, oh Madison Cawthorn. That- yeah. Yeah. He, he said that. And, and it was really hard not to make inappropriate jokes, but I'm not making them. Imagine wheeling your way to be an asshole. Like, it's hard enough to be an asshole. And then you have to, like, put in the extra effort of <laughs> wheeling I, yourself. To there. have a life-altering injury and pick up zero empathy along the way is it's stunning it's stunning and here's an easier one who said that nancy pelosi's requirement to wear masks was no different than the germans exterminating jews during the holocaust this is a problem because it could be kevin mccarthy or it could be marjorie taylor green it's one of those two it's marjorie taylor Green. yeah (laughs) Marjorie Taylor Greene, our girl, friend of the pod. <laughs> like, I always feel bad about mentioning her, but she is a fundraising superstar for the Republicans. Like, I saw her walk into an Arizona uh, fundraising event with Matt Gates. It's it's her and Gates, yep. which is a little bit like seeing Yes and Rush in concert for me. Like, like <laughs> who are the... <laughs> Like, who are the two bands that they can't pay you enough to see, now see them together? And it was like, oh, it's Gates and Green. And Green walks in, and the place is fucking packed. And they went nuts for her. Packed. They're going crazy. And then she does Marjorie Taylor Green things. And, and by the way, also, her assault on AOC seems to be um, illegal. A little bit. 
little bit. It turns out you can't uh, physically or verbally harass someone on the floor of the house. You can't lift open the mail slot and scream at them, which is something that it's never a felony. You can, it's fucking with someone's mail. Yes. <laughs> it's a felony. All right. So, well done, Zach. You got, I guess... I got two out of three. Two out of three? Yeah, yes, yeah. Okay. Oh, come on. <laughs> Thanks, Trebek. <laughs> well, somebody has to remain the hard grader. By the way, I watched the last guy who replaced Trebek. Not as good as Aaron uh, Rodgers. That's saying something. Yeah. Aaron Rodgers. Getting that good. backup career ready. <laughs> All right. <laughs> yeah, when, when he leaves the Packers to do that, well, that's what he's going to do. <laughs> We're going to have to cut your mic to hide the sobbing. (laughs) I'm all in on love. (laughs) So, Andrew, what will you be ranting about? I'm going to talk about Tony La Russa, um, the archaic unwritten rules of baseball, and the game's just constant, just shooting itself in the foot in every respect. Or the face. Yeah. the face, yeah. Closed casket. So, (laughs) last week we had a bonus episode, which I, I, I... Really enjoy listening to the bonus episodes because I rarely remember them. And you mentioned Dan Issel, who played for the Kentucky Colonels in the ABA, the last ABA champions. He played with two Hall of Famers. Who are they? And are they dead or alive? I can give you hints if you'd like. I'll take it. So Issel played forward despite the fact he was clearly a center, because this center from Jacksonville, uh, Jacksonville University, yeah. uh, had been the ABA MVP in 1972. Artis Gilmore? That is correct. Jesus. Uh, <laughs> Let him finish the hint. <laughs> Jesus. The, well, Jacksonville. Well, I would have gotten that one. Yeah. Oh, he just said when you don't have to get right, it. <laughs> right, well, of course, yeah. If, if I didn't get it, I wouldn't have remembered it. <laughs> the other person... Uh, had the ABA record for three-pointers at 792, which I guess would put him like top five all time if you counted the ABA and the NBA separately. He's the all-time leader in the ABA in games played, minutes played, points scored, and assists. He was a guard. Alex English? No. No. That's fucking terrible. Um, <laughs> give me... Give me um, he was a six foot. So he's the tall best player in ABA history, and why am I not like? No, no, he's not. He is one of the he's few just there guys from that the played to the he, end. Yeah, he played from the beginning um, to the end. Did play in the NBA with San Antonio, but did not cross with Artis Gilmore. He was going before. Gilmore. And it wasn't Gervin. It wasn't Gervin. Um, nope, Gervin played in San Antonio yeah. in the ABA. Seven hundred ninety-two three pointers. Matt Calvin. I don't know. Louis Dampier. Who who was yeah he I I was shocked because I I knew there were two Hall of Famers I I assumed Dampier was a Hall of Famer I had to double check that but um yeah Dampier was uh quite the player and then here's a quick question for you he had 792 ABA three pointers he played four years in the NBA how many three pointers did he hit zero yeah because there was no right. three point line maybe that's a W. <laughs> The, the ABA Trick gave question. us the yeah. ABA gave us the three point and the dunk contest. Those are both ABA. The legacy of the ABA is is right. really something. I'd love to cover it on this. Doing a bonus on it, honestly. Yeah. So Ed, what uh, what will you be ranting at us about today? So I'm going to be ranting on concussion protocol 
algorithms the NFL is using to pay players, which makes every NFL owner who knelt for the Black Lives Matter the shows them to be the goddamn hypocrites they are, and and nothing bad enough can happen to NFL owners or Roger Goodell. And that's going to be a. Uh incredibly gloomy segue <laughs> into a main topic conversation centering around the uh, just underway NBA and NHL playoffs. What a glorious what a glorious time of year for sports. Best man. time of the year. We got Best playoffs, we got the PGA championship, we got prize fights tonight in prime time. Tremendous fight. It's yeah, good who, shit. Who do you pick tonight? Ramirez. Ramirez. I'm gonna pick Taylor just to be different. And with that, we will be back on the Bill Bradley Collective. Nice job closing us out, Andrew, but you don't get away that quick. What did we forget? Artist Gilmore, Louis Dampier, alive or dead? Artist Gilmore is alive, right? And? I think Louis Dampier's dead. No, they're both alive. Oh, that's good. Uh, They're both alive. As a general guess... The seven foot three guy is usually dead, and the six foot doll guy. I, I feel like I saw Gilmore like on TV recently, yeah, like on NBA TV or something. Yeah, no, he, no yeah. they're both alive. So I was, I was surprised to see that. Perched at the intersection of sports and politics, we are the Bill Bradley Collective. Here are your hosts, Andrew, Zach, and Ed. So to kick us off this week on rants, I have a very quick one, which is Tim Tebow has been signed uh, to play in the NFL. And uh, that's it. That That's my rant is this motherfucker is back. He's like herpes. <laughs> he is America's ex-wife. <laughs> um, you just can't. There's just nothing you can do. Like, But what I want to see is the first time he kneels, let's say he scores a touchdown, which will never happen because he won't make the team. But, A, I think Urban Meyer's judgment is now, his judgment was always off-the-field judgment, and now his judgment's creeping to on-the-field judgment. His bizarre loyalty to white men who are terrible is might be his undoing. Um Stephen Merritt talks about having better relationships with white men than, than he does from the magnetic fields. But the first time if he scores a touchdown in a preseason game and then kneels to protest abortion, I will hope that everybody who gets all upset about the Black Lives Matter also gets ups- upset about this because what you're saying is that the unborn are more important than born black people. And no one will do it. And it'll be great. I want Mike Pence to show up and then leave when Tebow um, kneels because it is going to be just the worst. And actually, he doesn't even because yeah, he, he used to do the national anthem. Can you imagine? Can you imagine Kamala doing that? Can you imagine Kamala going to a Jaguars game and leaving because Tebow kneeled? Like, I, doesn't doesn't it just seem like the vice president should have? Yeah, I don't know. Other things to, to do. Shit to do. Like, and by the way, one of the great things this week is we realized that Mike Pence is the smarter brother. <laughs> because his brother, with, who with his defense of the insurrectionists, says, "Ooh, ooh, I think Mike Pence would have walked away from the microphone before saying that he's the smarter brother." We had this. I used to go to a bar, and it was um, the bartender whose kids 
what Connor worked there. And she said, Connor's my bright one because he could hook up the Wii to the television. Connor's the bright one. And it's a failure of the school system that he flunked out of school. Mm, yes, yes. And, <laughs> and, and so Connor's my bright one is the bright one is my, was my favorite band name ever. And then I met Connor's brother who kept yelling, Semper Fi. And I said, I think it's Semper Fi. And he said, no, no, it's, you're wrong. They're not sending us their best. No, no. But, but Connor was the bright one. And Mike Pence is the bright one. And I feel bad for Mama Pence, not his wife. <laughs> Remember a time where, um, and I, as a kid, like, after every NFL game, all of, like, the real Christian types on the teams would all, on both teams, would gather at midfield, and they'd all take a knee and have a prayer. And I think, like, teams had actual, like, chaplains. Yes, they had teams chaplains. chaplains. Can Tim Tebow just kind of be, like, the, a league chaplain? Can he just, like, go the fuck away and maybe... Um, I don't. I don't know. He's it, he's it, a, he's a tick on the sports world. It, you can't shake him. It, it, just do something that's not be be a host of Family Feud. Yeah, he can do that. just do he something. Was, he was. Oh, you want to displace a black man's job with Tim Tebow again? Uh, real um, real uh, progressive. Uh, I, I, uh, <laughs> I I will argue that Steve Harvey would argue with you that he's not a black man. <laughs> <laughs> it's it's one of those things. though, you look at this, you go Tebow is the embodiment of like our culture and our society and our politics of like. White men just getting repeated, 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 repeated chances. Well, everyone else gets one. Tim Tebow was a bad NFL player. He had one okay season where he did one kind of okay thing, and then he played a team that beat the hell out of him. He becomes a Jet where he's bad. He then goes to play for the Mets where he's Bad. Didn't he play with the Patriots briefly, or yeah, he, he'd sign with the Patriots? Never they cut be, he has never been good. He had one season where he kind of played okay and made the playoffs. And it was a fun he played, story. He played great. And, he, and yeah. but then he just—if he played great, he wouldn't have been out of the league. He's <laughs> out of the league. Like, <laughs> and, and then he gets out of the league, and then you have guys like Kaepernick, who was a better quarterback than him out of the league. You have guys like Eric Reed, who was a better defensive player than Tebow ever was as a player, out of the league. How many chances do white men get compared to everyone else to just simply be shitty at things? Tim Tebow is undoubtedly one of the great college quarterbacks of all time. Tommy Frazier, Michael Bishop, <laughs> those are also undoubtedly two of the greatest college football quarterbacks of all time. What kind of pro opportunity, pro career were they ever even, you know... It's it's just it's Justin just Fields had to like, Justin Jesus. Justin Fields fell in the draft because people questioned his commitment to football. And I wonder why, even though he played with a broken rib. Yeah, like, let's just let's just hope Tebow's first preseason game is a high pass over the middle and some guy just lights him up. He'll duck it. He's not playing. Like, God Almighty, sweet Jesus! All right, um, shifting gears a bit. So Monday night, last Monday night, uh, there's some hot. May AL Central and AL Central action. Some White Sox twins. <laughs> and this is a game that goes into it's a blowout at the end. It's like fifteen four. Um the, the the twins opt to do what teams sometimes do is they're not gonna like expend uh, their bullpen any further. They're gonna put in a um a an infielder to pitch. Uh they put in Williams Astudio in the ninth inning of of this of this game. And he faces young rookie, big prospect, Yearman Mar uh, Mercedes, who's just a who has a real uh, upside to think going forward as like a, a, a slugger. He gets fed a forty-five mile an hour pitch. 
on a 3-0 count, and he serves it 400 feet into the stands. His manager, one Tony La Russa, who's had a pretty busy year uh, in between driving drunk, telling the cop, don't you know who I am? I'm in the Hall of Fame. Um, La Russa wasn't happy about his, his young slugger doing this. He, um, he, he took him to task with the media, said that he, he missed the sign to, to take a pitch at 3-0 said that he doesn't understand the um the unwritten the unwritten rules of Ugh. baseball and we we in all, all year we're litigating shit like this we're litigating bat flips we're litigating anything that actually makes the game more fun home runs sluggers a little exuberance a little excitement a little juice and tony larusa is stuck in 1990 where yeah he won Championships. He won championships in Oakland. He won championships in St. Louis. A long fucking time ago. Different game, different day. Just a, a different, a, a bygone era. And players around baseball. Uh, I think the I think the most notable example. Trevor Trevor Bauer. Trevor Bauer. The Dodgers has been having some fun with um, who's the uh, Fernando Tatis, the star yeah, Padres yeah. slugger. And Padres Dodgers is this like really fun up and coming rivalry. It's because. Tatis homers off Bauer, flips his bat, and Bauer just tips his hat and says, "Okay, it's on. Let's go." There's no you you uh, tarnish the sanctity of this sacred game with your bat flip. There's none of that. It's just it's 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 competition. It's we're gonna have a little personality, and Tony La Russa just wants to kind of like shit all over that. If you're gonna put an infielder in to pitch a game when you've got five healthy pitcher actual pitchers sitting in your bullpen, you deserve whatever the fuck happens to you, whether it's a 15-4 game or not. And La Russa is a, is a, this version of La Russa is a stain on the game and is a stain on the game's uh, efforts to sort of progress going forward. How he's even has a job is just mind-boggling. When he was hired, it reminded me of the Barry Melrose hire by Tampa Bay, where you know you think you're in the game, but you're not really in the game. Uh, but Melrose, Melrose is Earl Weaver as a, as a coach compared to to, to what La Russa is. And, you know, CC Sabathia said it best. He's game passed you by, cuz. <laughs> it's like, yeah, you know, like the problem with baseball isn't that people find it too much fun. <laughs> like, that's not yeah. the problem with baseball. The problem with baseball is it has become, and, and this is the problem with the analytics, and I think the NBA is going to have to face this too, is what's most efficient isn't necessarily what's most fun. And, that is a problem. Everybody plays exactly the same way. You get six no-hitters a season already because nobody hits singles because there's no money in it. And by the way, you know, when this guy goes to negotiate his contract, they're going to look at his home runs. They're not going to look at his walks. So, you know. Yeah, and, and Andrew, I think like one of the things you said is dead on about if you're playing an infielder, if you're having an infielder pitch, you know, there's also an unwritten rule in baseball. You always see the, the old, you know, adage of the old adage of uh, – Oh, you got to play to the final out. Well, the guy's playing to the final out. If you decide to if you decide to have an in- infielder pitch against the guy who can hit home runs, then the guy's going to hit a home run off you. Yeah. Sorry, that's the game. He's playing to the final out. And then it, it it's baseball needs to decide what it is because the most fun baseball was was during its worst period, which was the steroid era, which nearly <sighs> killed the sport. That was probably the most fun baseball was. Oh, I'd I'd say. No, I would say the 70s and 80s when everybody played differently because there were teams with AstroTurf. Like, the yeah. parks were oh, all different. Yeah. 
like that the Cardinals and Royals played a the Royals played a completely different game and the Cardinals played a completely different game than the Orioles. I mean, it was just it was an argument about how to play baseball. Yeah, instead and now, that argument's been settled. Yeah, instead now the argument is. Did this guy do something wrong against some rule that was unwritten? It's like, who gives a shit? Just who gives a shit? There's no unwritten rules in football. There's no unwritten rules in basketball or hockey. It's just, it's a game. I, I, I just, what you said about the 70s, you know, there's a thing where the analytics has created this idea of like the ideal, of this ideal baseball player. And in like the 70s and the 80s, like there were so many different archetypes for like successful players. You know what I mean? There were just everybody, you know, Ricky Henderson was amazing. And you have like a George Brett who's like totally different, who's amazing. And now the stars, there's a lot of like uniformity in what is a star in today's game. Like what constitutes being a star. They walk in homers. That's I mean, that, yeah. that's that's what that's, that's what it. makes you a star. Uh, and this is not the first time that happened. The sixties were like that. Mm. And they changed the rules to make it less like that. And baseball is really in need of a uh, rule change. For sure. So both those things were annoying, but this one's heartbreaking. The and and by the way, people talk shit on Twitter all the time. I never would have found this was on Twitter because I do not read the insurance journal. But <laughs> I recommend everybody Google NFL concussion protocols, cognitive racism, and you will be brought to an insurance journal article because the NFL is insisting on using an algorithm that's called the Heaton algorithm that assumes a lower cognitive ability in blacks than in whites. So that the the level of which you have to reach to demonstrate that you have been cognitively cognitively affected long-term by injury, blacks have to reach a lower score than whites do. This went to court, and it was thrown out. Uh, but then the judge in the case has said, uh, Anita Brody, has then opened the door again to say that it is that she will look at petitions on this. And they turned in 50,000 signatures. Um, it's based on what's called the Heaton norms, which were designed in the early 90s by Robert Heaton to estimate how socioeconomic factors affect someone's health. And they've been widely used, but recently have fallen under um, some, some attack because it turns out that Heaton chose a very small sample group of blacks, all of whom were in, uh, in San Diego, where the black population is largely military. So to say that the military is a microcosm of the, the United States is, is, is statistically not true. The people who volunteer for the military often have different socioeconomic histories. You know, and so that is where it started. This has not, this, they did not use heat norms in the, uh, the World Trade Center attacks and, and, and figuring that out. Um, they have not used them pretty much ever, but the NFL is insisting, insisting that these algorithms be used. So in this largely black sport, 70% black, they're saying that our culpability is reduced with blacks from whites. 
what they did in in the uh, 9-11 is they used the white number and said, that's the baseline. That's the baseline we're using. And that won in court. The NFL is refusing to do that. Every time you think the NFL could not get worse, it's fucking worse. It is. I, I, I read this article. I've read it a couple of times. I can't get through it. I get so angry um, because, because it's almost unconscionable to accept this league. It, it is it is heartbreaking because, it, it, you know, it's one of those things you want to say, oh, it's a step forward for the NFL and three steps back, except they never take a step forward. It's just always three steps back. You know, you can put a quality on your helmets. You can put a quality on the field. You can, you know, do whatever they do. They can have that performative bullshit where everyone takes a knee and then, you know, if anyone takes a knee again after that, they get basically blackballed. It's a sport that is majority African-American. By a lot, like by 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 massive amounts, and you know, you can look at this and go financially. They're just trying to hedge their bets financially because you know the economics of it is because there are more black players, they'd have to pay out a larger sum than they would. Blah 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 blah. That doesn't make it better. That doesn't make their decision. That doesn't excuse their decision. It shows the brutality of the sport in that maybe they should be paying that. Not that they should be finding a way to get around paying it, that they should be paying that because that's what these people deserve. It It is very, very difficult continually to justify being an NFL fan. And the moral compromises you have to make to continue doing that continue to be greater and greater every season. That The allegory of, of, of just... You know, medieval times are just of, of of a coliseum, and like men of color, like duking it out to the death while people cheer and and bet and and whatever. And it's it's like, you know, the NFL. It's 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 just getting it's it gets tougher every year, and this story really makes it tougher to kind of justify fandom. It's 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 perverse. It's it's really it's perverse. It's sick. Um, and for what? Save, are, save the, a nickel. 30, 32 billionaires. 32 white billionaires. 32 white billionaires. Well, one, Shad Khan. Uh, uh, yeah, Shad Khan. Khan. Yeah. Shad Khan. Who, right. you know, is, is, is essentially white. But, um, <laughs> He's culturally white. Cultu- culturally white. Um, just further lining their pockets on the, on the lives of a, a largely black uh, workforce. Um, it's just disgusting. Just so, Sickening. just um, out of respect for the players who are dealing with this, and and for the the players of Colorado who are dealing with this, I think the last word belongs to former Washington running back Ken Jenkins, who has been leading this. Um, and he said, "My reaction was, well, here we go again." He's a former running back. It's the same old nonsense for black folks to have to deal with some insidious, convoluted deals that are being made. Um, there's just no other way to say it. And, uh, it is, it is a disgrace and it would be great to see the NFL players association say, we will not play until this is, until this changes because black folks are not cognitively less than white people. That is an insult. That is, that is the definition of racism. Yeah. Um, so after that cheerful thought, (laughs) <laughs> um, 
we will be back with uh, to talk about the uh, NBA and NHL playoffs uh, after this ad. Thanks. In a world where everyone's on and no one's unplugged, where being busy is a badge of honor, where the race from the gym to the office to the carpool and to the kitchen is unrelenting. When your spouse asks, what should we do for dinner? And your boss demands, I need this ASAP every single day. And silence and solitude is only achieved when your phone battery dies. We bring you a new kind of hero. Nothing. Yes, nothing. Just nothing. Nada. No phone. No Netflix, no cooking, no laundry, no Snapchat, no scrolling, no swiping left or right. Nothing is here to save you. Coming to a quiet space near you this February. So we're going to be talking about the playoffs uh, today in, in the two sports that are having playoffs, hockey and basketball we're going to start with hockey um where upsets are much more likely uh i was watching the bruins capitals game last night and the difference in that game was pretty much goaltending like the the bruins played better but too soft goal you can't let in too soft goals and if you have a hot goalie you know that's why eight one upsets are much more common so i mentioned the uh that series, which I know, Zach's your favorite. What's your second favorite series that you're looking at right now? Second favorite series I'm looking at, it's, it's kind of a tie. Um, Penguins-Islanders, just because I love the story of the Islanders, that they haven't been really anything since the 80s. The Penguins are getting older. Crosby's starting to get a little long in the tooth. Like, it's... Do people still call him the kid? He's still the kid. He still said the kid. I I, uh, I had it's, a, like, it's like the Simpsons joke. I was kid Mo, then I was kid ugly. <laughs> I had a I had a guy I had to represent who always referred to himself in the third person as the kid, and he was older than I was, uh, uh, older than I am. And he was like, "At what point do you stop referring to yourself as the kid?" <laughs> Eighteen. <laughs> um, but but I think one of the series is also that I'm most excited about. I watched it last night because it followed the Bruins Capitals game, and it was the first time I was awake enough during the week to watch a game uh is was Edmonton and Winnipeg um I love the fact that hockey hockey seems to change its divisions and conferences like every year and the fact that they have decided to just have like fuck it we just have a Canadian conference a Canadian division and now we just get to watch because Canadian style of hockey is entirely different than American style of hockey it's way more fun guys change when they go to Canada they just become faster. I don't know what it is, but I think that those two series are the ones I'm watching. Um, mostly because I, th- I I think that the Stanley Cup winner is coming out of those. I think the Stanley Cup winner is coming out of Boston or probably Edmonton, Winnipeg. Well, Winnipeg's up 2 nothing. Yeah. In the series, even though Edmonton is a prohibitive favorite. 13 out of the 16 experts on ESPN picked um, Edmonton. But Well, they have Connor McDavid. Connor McDavid, who is, I mean, the best player in the league. And it's going to go down probably as one of the, the, the a, on a very short list of the best players of all time. He's an absolute, he's right in his prime now. 
He's a joy to watch. He's he'll be, he'll be and, incredible. And he's getting killed by playing in Edmonton. He, it, oh, he'll they've be one, wasted it, so much. It, he'll be one of the ten best players of all time and one of the seventh best Oilers of all time. Uh, that's, yeah. yeah. Gretz and Messi. Andrew, what do you think? Uh, what's the series you're watching? It's 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 honestly it's and it's hard as a, as a Ranger fan because this year they did the um where every game was played within the, the division. And the best division was the East. It was it was the Bruins, the Capitals. It was the Islanders and the Penguins. And I mean, the Rangers missed the playoffs, but by point of by goal differential, they were the tenth best team in the league. It was the best division in hockey, and I think those are the two. No disrespect to like the to the Avs who won the President's Trophy, um, or the Knights who clearly just are a really are are, are going to be a really tough out in the West. But I I don't see how. I just see the cup going through the East. Um, one of those four teams. I mean, Boston's up 3-1, and I think the Pens are up 2-1. I think Boston closes it tomorrow. Um, you talk about how, uh, well, these series, where, where the, the difficulty of those two series um, are gonna might take a toll on those teams. But if the teams that win can get through in less than seven, then, you know, and they don't expend that much energy, I, I, I just think it's... I don't know. The Bruins look like a tough out right now. By the way, it's also really the, in, tough. the insanity of hockey playoff scheduling is the Canadians and Maple Leafs, I think, just played their first game. They last, played, yeah. yeah, they, they played night. one game. But other teams have played four. Teams are about to be eliminated almost, <laughs> and they're on their first game, and it's like, oh, that's right. Hockey hockey is just chaos. And that's the thing with, know, the, with the Canadian teams is that they're going to have to play this more like compressed schedule. So when they get to like the conference finals, I I feel like they're going to be at a disadvantage. Yeah, they're going to be they're going to be a lot of back. To, they're going to be there will be a Canadian team that wins and then plays the next night. I, so yeah, so the for me it's the Canadians and the Leafs. Um, well, you know, unfortunately, um, Tavares being out, which is huge, was not it was not a dirty hit. Just one of the things in hockey. Yeah, and one of his guys hit like yeah. the, Perry hit him with his knee, and he said they tried to jump. He said, you know, and Perry played with Tavares in, um, I think, the Canadian... Uh, in New York, in the Islanders. Well, the Islanders, right. Yeah. He, well, he's played with them a couple of times. He's also played with them on yeah. some international teams and felt terrible. He said that... He said it was the silence because there's no crowd. The silence of it is what bothered me. He said... Actually, it was Corey Price that said that. He said it was the eeriest thing he ever had because he said, you realize... He said, I'm sitting there and saying, it's just a game. This is just a game. Like, like we shouldn't get killed. But Tavares seems to like. It, it, I don't think he'll play again. In, in, he's done for the playoffs. In the playoffs, yeah, but like, it, it's you know obviously he's a great great player. Um, but the Canadians Leafs. I mean, to see that series is joyful. I, I hope they keep these the, divisions. The, the, the history. I hope they do too. I I think that this is probably the hockey of the future, just because it was so much fun. Like it's fun, kind of putting the Canadian teams off in their own world for a little bit and just being like, you guys just go do your thing. You guys have a ball up there. We'll be down here. Doing we'll, our thing. Doing our thing. We'll see you in the playoffs. Like, you just, you do your thing. Yeah, I, I mean, um, yeah, in other, I mean, obviously, other than that, the, the Edmonton-Winnipeg series, I I do think Edmonton, Edmonton could come back, but, I mean, it's it's hard when you lose two at home. Yeah. Yeah, but, that, but I mean, what does home mean there? There's no fans. Yeah, so. exactly. And that's a, that's the a thing that's been important about that we should probably talk about in the about the NHL playoffs is in Canada. There's no fans, 
Right? I don't think they're even. No, and the Panthers had 12,000 yesterday. Panthers mm-hmm. had 12,000. Bruins have had 5,000. Other teams have had like 5 to 10. Mm-hmm. But in Canada, they're it, they're still in the bubble, basically, my, like they were last season. My, my favorite thing is Canadians coach Rob Brindamore claiming <laughs> that the, I, the, 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 the NHL is protecting the Predators because I guess Nashville is a key TV market. <laughs> like, what the fuck's that about? Rod Brindamore is a crazy person. You ever see that guy without a shirt on? He is still working out <laughs> like 55. Like, he looks like he could play today. That 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 is the Panther. By the way, the Panthers Lightning series is a series I want to be into so badly, but it's just two teams in Florida that probably shouldn't exist. Actually, the Lightning are pretty popular. They, I've been to a Lightning game. They're they yeah, sell out. Yeah, we went. To, well, they're all New Yorkers. It, it's all it's all Trent, former Rangers transplants. They're all former Rangers. A lot of right? former like, Rangers. We, we went to a Carolina game. We went to the, one of the first Carolina games. Worst experience. Like, and because we were we were Whalers fans, of course, and we went down there. We were going. To, I, I guess we were, we were probably going to Florida to see your grandparents. Going to Gainesville, and so I said, I I deserve since I'm paying for this two happy hours, and I want to go to a a, a Carolina game. And they didn't know what, like, they had to show what icing was. And we were, like, cheering, and we, we were watching stuff, and people were asking us, like, well, what just happened? Like, it's been fairly successful there. But bring, bring them back. It's, yeah. <laughs> bring them back. You can't have a city of 140,000 having an NFL. It works in Green Bay. We can do it. We yeah. can do it. Well, I, I believe it works in Green Bay because of the TV contracts. <laughs> <laughs> it's a little It's a little jarring to look at the makeup of, like, the 16 teams in the playoffs and, like, five of the teams. You're talking Nashville, Carolina, Tampa. Uh, the, the Panthers play in South Florida, Fort Lauderdale, and Dallas. And they're all, like, legit teams with, like, pretty legit, like, fan bases. It's just not what, like, 30 years ago, you, it, like, what, are you, what are you talking about? It's the, the Sunbelt Conference. Talking, it's, yeah, and they're all, you know, and they've, <sighs> hockey, you know. It, it's it's why the Canadians' Leafs means, you know, a lot to that me. It's, yeah, it's a throwback. And I really wish Tavares, I mean, Tavares is a wonderful player. Tremendous. And, and you know. That was scary. That was that was one of the scarier injuries we've seen in hockey in a long time to, uh, to a star player. Too. And and, yeah, and I mean, it's and as you said, it wasn't dirty. No, it was just no. the sport. The, the sport is fast. The sport's fast, and it's on ice, and ice is slippery. Yeah, <laughs> so things happen. Who do you think is going to win the Stanley Cup, Zach? I I think I I think the Bruins are probably if they if they can get out of this series, especially if they can get out of this series in five games, and they can be rested. Uh, this is not a homer pick, but I think the Bruins would be scary to play in the playoffs. It smells like one. It did. It, it hey, it's if it smells like one, walks like one. You know, yeah. it is one. But I think the Bruins are going to be a tough, tough out. I hope I'm not like going to jinx you here, but I thought, um, I thought the Bruins were a legitimate cup contender, um, before the trade deadline. And at the trade deadline, they added Taylor Hall, um, who was the fucking league MVP a couple years ago, and they got him for pennies on the dollar, and he's been a game changer for them. And you, they they've got everything. They've got they've got they they check every box. The fact that they're up three one in this series, I mean, obviously, I wouldn't be so confident, but not knowing that they're up three one in this first round series, but um, I I like the Bruins over the uh, the Golden Knights in the Cup final. Yeah, I was gonna pick the Knights. Um, you know that I wouldn't be upset if the Knights won. 
I mean, the, the defense has been pretty strong. The Wild have only scored four goals mm-hmm. in three games. They score a bunch of goals. Plus, they, Mark Andre team that has everything. Mark Andre Fleury, who was a goalie I liked on Pittsburgh, having this kind of set, like he was, he, he was basically yeah. given away. He was mm-hmm. given away to the Knights, and the fact that he has been able to turn his kind of second act into this, like the Knights have been, a, they've been studs. Fleury's been around for so long, forever. forever. Like he I mean, was, he he came up so young. Like he was like nineteen when when he started playing. Yeah, he was the goalie on the, on the first Crosby Cup team, which I think was oh nine. I mean, he was the goalie. Yeah, I think um, he's been. I think he's been a league fifteen years. Yeah, yeah it's it, it, it's been. Um, yeah, so I'm gonna pick the Knights. So now switching to the NBA. First of all, we have to start with the play-in tournament because we just watched the game last. Uh, we we're recording on a Saturday, and. and uh, we watched the game last night. Is the playoff tournament here to stay? The uh, play-in tournament here to stay? I hope so. It is. Yeah, it I, is. I can't imagine. And, and I would like to say this: A yesterday, John Morant announced like that was an incredible performance. Um, you know, in addition to everything else, he picked up five fouls on Curry, so that late in the game. Curry was careful. I mean, Curry is not terrible defensively. No. He, he has good instincts. He does stuff. He gets steals. He's he's not great because he's six foot three, but he's not he's not terrible. And and he had to come off of Jura, uh, Morant. And secondly, I know Draymond Green's a Hall of Famer, um, but you cannot have a man in your lineup, a player in your lineup, who will not take an open 10-footer. At the end of regulation, he had a wide-open 10-footer because three people jumped on Curry. They literally played five on, four on two. He hit he hit Green uh, at the bottom of the, of the circle, and Green looked to pass and then took a crazy layup as opposed to just taking a 10-footer that – he had four feet of space, and you can't win that way. It, it, it is weird to see a playoffs, especially the last after the last few years, a playoffs where the Warriors aren't in it, and you realize, like, they had nobody, really, this year for any of the day. It's Steph Curry. It, and, and Curry basically willing that team to even the play-in game, but then nearly willing the team into the playoffs. Do you think Curry is the most impactful individual player on any team in the NBA? Like, is he better than LeBron individually? Like, like, Le- like, not obviously not better than LeBron, but is he is he I, more impactful as a player? I don't think it's possible to be that impactful at six three six four. I think that that I think you can now make an argument he's the greatest point guard in history, pure point guard. If you don't count Magic as a pure point guard, because because Magic never guarded point guards. So, Matt, if you take magic out of it, like, I know Bill Simmons still has Bob Cousy ahead of him or something, but, like, no. It's, like, Curry is probably the Mark greatest Price. park point guard in history. Well, yeah. <laughs> no, yeah. yeah. Curry's light, but he's not light enough. Oh. <laughs> but do you, what do you think about the in terms of impact? Draymond Green is clearly um, a shell of what he was four, uh, three or four years ago. Um they obviously didn't have Clay Thompson. They got a lot out of Andrew Wiggins. 
They had Kelly, Kelly Oubre when he was healthy was bad, and then he was also hurt most of the year. They didn't have much. I remember they played a they played a game against Toronto without Curry, and they lost by 60. 60. And Toronto was not even on the playoff like periphery. Um, listen, I think Curry's a top three MVP candidate. He's not my MVP, but I think he's like I think he was a top three or four player this year. Is he more the most impactful his person in terms of how basketball's played over the last ten he's, years? Because it's either him or LeBron. Because LeBron, like point forward, wasn't a. Th- I mean, even Bird didn't make point forward a thing. Curry's changed the game. There's like he's made. You know, I don't want. He's not responsible for Dame Lillard. He's not responsible for Trey Young. He's not responsible for Luca. But just the the three point revolution. He's the he is the the the, the catalyst. He's the lightning rod, the catalyst. He you know that's the big bang is Steph Curry six years ago. The Splash Brothers in, yeah, exactly. in 2012, 2013. Yeah. They, we've yeah. never seen basketball played that way. Yeah, game. It, it's inf- impactful in terms of how how. The game is now played in 2021. So which series, we'll go back to the the question we had with the NHL, which series are you most looking forward to, Zach? I think Knicks-Hawks oh, man. is probably the one I'm most looking forward to in the East. And Phoenix-Lakers uh, in the West. Um, I think, the, I mean, obviously, I'm supporting the Knicks, uh, you know, for Andrew and for our buddy Derby. Um, plus there, I had Julius Randall on my fantasy team and he pretty much got me into the playoffs. Uh, so I, I think that that'll just be a fun series to see like the grittiness of the Knicks to see if they can, if they, how far are they going to go? But the Suns Lakers, that's a two seven series where the Lakers are the seven. Man, if you're the Suns, how pissed are you right now? Very like you're sitting there going, I'm. I should fucking be walking into the semifinals. The, the Clippers they should be walking. Yeah, <laughs> like they, sh- the Suns should be just. Ah, we gotta, we gotta buy in the first round, basically. And instead, they're gonna probably lose. I think it'll be a surprise if either the Jazz or the Suns make the Western Finals. Oh, I hope not. I hope that's not a surprise <laughs> for the Jazz. <laughs> that's fair, though. What series are you looking forward to? It's Knicks Hawks for obvious reasons, uh, Knicks fandom, and I'll, and I don't think. Any of the other three East series are that compelling. I think both the one eight and two, uh, two seven matchups will go quickly to Milwaukee. Uh, to, I'm sorry, to uh, Philly and to Brooklyn. Heat Bucks is interesting. They're running back um, from the bubble last year. A series where the Heat upset the Bucks. I don't. I do. I do not see the Bucks. Uh, I'm sorry. I don't see the Heat uh, doing it again. Um, so there's not. I don't have much interest in the East side. All. F- Pick your poison in the West, man. They're every, all four series are, com, are are pretty compelling. Maybe not the Jazz Grizzlies so much, but I think we're going to see John Morant take over a game or two. John Morant and Donovan Mitchell going mano a mano. It's going to be fun. I'm not sure it's going to go long, but I think the games will be competitive. The other three series to me, um, Lakers, Suns, uh, Mavs, Clippers, and Nuggets, Blazers, I think are just going to be really competitive and just they're just fun tilts, fun to watch. I really dislike the Clippers. And, I do too. <laughs> and, and I would love to love the Jazz in that series, but I don't. There's no way Persingas will play seven games. He just never does. Wait, which, which, oh. Yeah, you know, uh, Ma- Mavs, Clippers. Mavs, Clippers. And I just don't think they're healthy enough. Luca, Luca will get him a couple. But, yeah. But, but I, but I'm very excited about both 6 3 series. I, I love, or 3 6. Um, 
I do think the Bucks and the Heat um, are is a really compelling series. Um, I do. I'm a huge Drew Holiday fan. I think he's the most underrated player in the in the NBA, and my belief is that they'll get out of it. But the difference in coaching is huge. The well, difference in coaching is enormous. Well, what, one series none of us mentioned, and I think it's because it's the powerhouse of the big three, is the Nets-Celtics series is is a little live. No. The, if, the, Celtics, are th- the Celtics swept them this, in the season. If Brown was healthy, then it's a live. Then, then I could see the Celtics winning two games. I think Boston... My guess would be the Nets will get up three nothing, not pay attention to a game, and then and then win the and then win the fifth. Like I, I just don't think without without Brown there, they just don't have enough firepower. Um, I uh, I do th- I do think the Bucks will win, but boy, Bookenholzer has just not been a good coach in the playoffs. He doesn't make any adjustments in, multi- in multiple spots, Atlanta and Milwaukee. Right. I mean, he yeah. just doesn't make any adjustments. He's a like he's a great regular season coach. I might I might leave here and and no offense to anyone, I might leave here and drive to Rhode Island to bet the Hawks. I just think the Hawks are so much more talented than the Knicks. Now, yes, Randall scores a million points against them. He's averaged thirty nine, but like that Hawks team is so deep. Like they're not the. The question I have is, in a, and the Knicks are the wrong team to exploit this, in a playoff series, uh, Trey Young might be unplayable. I want to quickly, before before I touch on, on that, I just want to say, uh, the case for the Celtics, I think, was best sort of encapsulated in a quote by St- uh, Coach Steve Nash the other night, where he said that uh, he was told Harden and Irving and Durant have played fewer minutes together than the entirety of, like, The Irishman. And obviously, The Irishman is a really long fucking movie, but it's still, like, it's like three hours. Like, these guys, we're, we don't know exactly what the big three are. We all assume they're going to be special, at least at least offensively, and I think that'll that'll win the day, at least at least against Boston. Um, you're not wrong about... Um, the, the Hawks are deeper. I think the fact that... I think home, I think home court could really be a difference there. I mean, the Knicks are going to try to... I, we'll see. There's too much... The Hawks, it's... it's. John John Collins can give you 30 and 15. You're like, oh, yeah, John Collins. And like and Gallinari and, and Bogdanovich. I mean, they yeah. just they have a lot of guys that can go off on different nights. And I could see, I, I could see Collins... If they're willing to accept the Collins... If they're willing to accept the Collins might foul out. I can see Collins giving Randall some problems defensively, but ultimately, if you listed the players like the ten best players in the game, seven of them are Hawks. Like the Hawks have just are they're so deep. Like who's the fourth best player on the Knicks? You're the Knicks fan. Fourth best player on the Knicks is probably Derrick Rose. That's probably, probably, probably not good. Oh, I'd have Rose. third. You'd have him third. Who I would have Randall one, Barrett two. Uh, three. Oh, yeah. Okay. Rose is probably three. Yeah, Rose is probably three. I was thinking. So now the next guy got to be better quickly, than quickly. Reggie Bullock has been really good. Is he better than Bogdanovich? No. No. Like <laughs> that's the problem. Like he's that's the problem. Like you just at at I mean, some point talent matters. Yeah. Now 
Thibodeau's a great coach. Like, there's just... I like Nick it, Millen a lot, too. I think there's two, I think two good coaches. I think Thibodeau's a better coach, but... Yeah. Should be a fun series. Who do you who do you think wins it all? Even before we do that, if we get to Nets Bucks, where are you going? Uh, Bucks. I have the Bucks. I have the Bucks. I I, I think it's, it's a, I think there is questions, like Andrew said, of how they will actually work. Like how is Kyrie and Harden going to actually work together? They don't play any defense with without. I mean, the, the, the Nets were a bad defensive team all year in, in every configuration. They were bad. Um, they, they got better as the season went along. Yeah. Nash did a pretty good job, but this will be the one series where Bookholder's Book not outcoached. Yeah. Um, and, and, and I also think, given age and health, the best player on the court is Giannis. Yeah. And, and, you know, I mean, yes. obviously, historically, Durant's better. But this year, I take Giannis. And, I mean, Drew Holiday is going to be a nightmare for Kyrie if he plays him. So now it's you got Middleton on... on. That's that's a legit big three. Holiday, Middleton, Giannis. That's a, that's damn good. Um, right. And, and and then the next best player is... Is it... Is Brooke it, Lopez? Is it Lopez. Um, I mean, Brogdon. Harris is good. Uh, yeah. Hmm? Brogdon. Uh, Pacers. That's right. Brogdon yeah. right. and Middleton are. I, I confuse. I always confuse them all the time. Yeah. Um, who's going to win it all? I think the final will be Philly and the Lakers. I'm going to pick Philly. This is not the team I put money on, but I would. I think the Lakers. Who'd, I, who'd you put money on? Utah. Utah. I, I I I have Utah winning it all in our. In our money league, but um, I I think the Lakers. If you're LeBron, until LeBron James loses, he is the king. He has to lose, and he just doesn't lose in the playoffs. It, it's it's look, look well, at what he, I mean, at, he's lost in the finals six times. But, but yeah, but, but, not, but not not in the last ten years. The last ten years, he's only lost to the Warriors and the and, he lost and, the, the, and the Spurs. But look at what he did against the Warriors. He hits this ridiculous three point at the end of the game he just he's willing them to the to the win it was it was so weird because you watch that game and in the first half lebron looked like a shell of himself and at the end of the game he has a triple double which by the way says something about triple doubles yep. and also you realize oh he's just different the other thing is if lebron wins this one i think the argument for best player of all times is over yeah it's over i mean nobody my age is going to ever agree that uh, that LeBron's better than Jordan, except for me, because LeBron's better than Jordan. If you if you had t- if you had ten LeBrons playing ten Jordans, ten LeBrons would win every time because they're six eight and he's six four. That's why. Yeah. I look I look at like the Suns that Suns Lakers series, and the Suns were a really fun team to watch this year, and they're legit. They're like they're really good. Um, and it's going to take it's. LeBron and Davis, it showed the other night against Golden State, like they don't they clearly don't have like their legs quite back yet. They're not they're not quite there. And they're gonna try to find them against Phoenix, and I still think that's gonna be enough to get past Phoenix. And I think if Davis and James are healthy and are on the court every night, the Lakers are gonna win the West. Bucks win the East. I like the Lakers over the Bucks in the, the finals. The Suns is a per- perfect team for the Lakers to play. They are. Because Always. like they'd struggle. I think they would have struggled with the Jazz because Gobert would have been a nightmare for them to match up with. 
they would have had to play a center. They don't really want to play a center. I mean, their their numbers when when Davis plays a five are incredible. But you can't play Davis on the five if if Gobert's out there. But the Suns, Aiton's going to end up in foul trouble in nine minutes, and then they have no second choice. Like they just have no option. I, I they're going to. I think that's a sweep. Yeah, maybe not. Maybe. Maybe Booker Catch goes. Him early, maybe it, Booker gets sixty-one game or something. Chris Paul's gonna have Chris Paul's gonna have a game where he's gonna be the best player on the court for forty. For you, you're, you don't like Chris Paul, do you? He was amazing this year. Chris Paul is an incredible player who raises your floor as much. He raises your floor the way oh, really good players raise your floor the way Curry raises your floor. Yeah. Like you just you get in the playoffs. And there's never a second gear, and your best be- your best player can't be six two. He can't get through a playoff series healthy. That's kind of to me. That's been the bigger story of his career. He's never with the Clippers. And anyway, I digress. All right. Well, thank you everyone for listening to this week's episode of the Bill Bradley Collective. If you'd like to help us grow and uh, get more ears on the product, then please like our Facebook page, the Bill Bradley Collective, and share our episodes as they get posted, so that more people can listen. And uh, you know. Listen to three white guys talk about sports and politics every week. (laughs) Thank you very much, and uh, see you next week on the Bill Bradley Collective. Thank you for joining us on the Bill Bradley Collective. Please subscribe on your favorite podcast platform and follow us on Facebook at the Bill Bradley Collective. We'll see you again next week.